Good morning, Covenant. So when, when Chaplain Lowe asked me to give a chapel talk, I started praying about what I should talk about, and the word that kept coming to me was birds. And that was the only word that came to me, was birds. So hopefully, by the Spirit of God, the message this morning will be a message from the birds, but not a message for the birds. And I'm gonna begin by reading from Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. These are words that Jesus spoke in his Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sixteen years ago, I read that very passage of Scripture. At the time, I had a five-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter, and as uh, Chaplain Lowe said, they're now students here at Covenant. My son's a senior. My daughter is a sophomore. And my wife stayed at home with our kids, and I provided the sole income for our family. But I was considering doing something crazy. I was considering quitting my job and going to seminary. So I sat there that morning and I read these words, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And I wrestled with those words, food, clothing, shelter, Surely these are important things that God expects me to provide for my family. And yet, Jesus says, do not worry. Look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. I tried to let that message sink in. Don't be anxious, Michael. 
but it was much easier for me to grasp on an intellectual level than on a practical level. Up here in my head, I could say, yeah, I know that God will take care of me. I know that he will provide. But out there in the world, I felt like I had to make prudent decisions and that it was my responsibility to look out for number one. Well, maybe we frown on looking out for number one in the church, so let me say it another way. I felt like it was my responsibility to look out for number one's dependence, right? I needed to provide for my family. That was my responsibility squarely on my shoulders. But that was the very attitude that was causing me anxiety. So after wrestling with that passage of scripture, I got up from my chair to go to the kitchen to get a drink of water. And I stood there at the kitchen sink. As I did that, I just looked out the window. It was a cold January day, single digit temperatures, and it had been snowing outside. And what I noticed is there were some robins on our holly bush in our courtyard and they were picking berries off of the holly bush. To a bird, these robins were fat. They were bulked up for the lean winter months. And they hopped from branch to snow-covered branch. They would pluck a berry off of the bush, hold it in their beaks momentarily, and then swallow it whole. Occasionally, they would become aware of me, and they would pause, or they would fly off. And... As I considered those birds, I thought, here is the Lord at work. Jesus tells me that I am worth much more than these robins. Yet here he is on a bitterly cold January day providing food for the robins. That demonstration ministered to me. Don't worry, Michael. Follow God. Trust him to provide. I followed the flight of one of those robins from the holly bush to a buckeye tree that we had in the front yard. It's appropriate to have a buckeye tree when you live in Ohio. And when I followed the flight of that robin to that buckeye tree, I noticed for the first time that there were 20 robins in that tree perched in the branches of that tree and they were all staring right at me giving me a knowing glance you've probably shared a knowing knowing glance with a friend maybe in a classroom your eyes meet and there's communication going on between you just through the gaze well I've shared a knowing glance more than once with animals One time I shared a knowing glance with a German shepherd, but that's a story for another day. Today I want to tell you about the knowing glance that I shared with these robins. That knowing glance, that steady stare that they were giving me was communicating to me that these robins were God's faithful witnesses to me. And their testimony, testimony that it seemed like they were screaming to me, was God provides. That experience came at the end of a long time during which God seemed very distant 
from me. But that, that experience with the robins was a turning point. I felt God's provision and God's guidance anew in a way that I hadn't experienced for a long time. You see, I'd been losing my way professionally. Just three years before that experience, I had left what at one time I considered my dream job in genomic cancer research at the National Cancer Institute. I left that job to take a faculty position at a liberal arts college in rural Ohio. I was teaching mathematics and biology. But after just two years of that, I was feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. Props to all of you college professors out there. It's hard work. And I also just was missing cutting-edge scientific research. I wanted to get back to that. So just after two years of being a college professor, I left that job and I took a job as a biostatistical consultant at Ohio State University where I was getting back into the research field, but just six months into that job, there I was asking myself, what's wrong with me? Is this all there is in life? You see, quite the opposite of Nacho Libre's sidekick, Escalito, who proclaimed, I believe in science, I was actually losing my faith in the secular scientific enterprise. I had two questions that were whirling in my mind. The first was, how can science bring us closer to truth when God's truth, real truth, is rejected by large swaths of the scientific enterprise? And the second question was, how can science lead to the betterment of mankind when the definition of better that's used is often incongruent with God's word. So God speaking to me through those robins was a turning point. I had heard news that a Center for Science and Theology was being established at Southern Seminary in Louisville. I felt like that was a place I could go and begin exploring the answers to these questions that I had in my mind. I felt like it was a place where I could begin to consider a distinctly Christian approach to science. The reminder of God's provision that I received on that January day through those robins gave me the confidence to step out in faith, to prepare to leave my job, move my family, and enroll in seminary. And as I did that, it was amazing to see how God provided. I didn't have a job. I quit my job without a job and was getting ready to go to seminary. But there was one doctor that I really clicked with at Ohio State. And I wanted to let her know about my plans to leave Ohio State and to enroll in seminary. And so I went to her office one day and she wasn't there. It turned out that she was gone for the summer. Like I had kind of lost my opportunity to speak with her. And she wasn't somewhere that I could easily get a hold of her. I haven't told you, so she was a, a renowned leukemia researcher and she was also a Finnish baroness. And the place that she had gone for the summer was an island in Finland. 
It may have been an island that her and her husband owned. I'm not clear on that. But anyway, that's where she was. And how do I get a hold of her? So I kind of meekly asked for a phone number where I could reach her. And her administrative assistant gave it to me. And I called her up and told her about my plans. And when I told her what I was doing, she just said, well, I'm going to assume that you're not independently wealthy and think that you probably might need a source of income. And she just offered me a job with her personally, a telecommuting job with her research team uh, while I was in seminary. Praise God for his provision. That was the final affirmation that the Robins were right. So I tell you this story to ask you a question. What are the birds in your life? Are you paying attention to them? What indications of God's faithfulness, of his love, of his provision are you experiencing? My conviction is that it's not just me who receives such birds, that we should all have such birds to talk about. Let me give you just three examples from Scripture of other birds. So there was the dove who returned to Noah with an olive leaf in its beak. There were the ravens who fed Elijah. And finally, there was the Holy Spirit descending as a dove on Jesus at his baptism. All these were signs of God's provision as well. A sustained earth for Noah and his family, nourishment and drought for Elijah, and the provision of a beloved son with whom the father was well pleased in Jesus' baptism. I ask again, what are the birds in your life? Why do I think you should have some birds to tell me about? Well, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna guess that you have some worries some things that you are anxious about. I remember what it was like to be a college student. Overloaded schedules, roommate conflict, maybe feeling out of place, loneliness. And you guys are experiencing some things in college that I never had to experience. COVID concerns, social distancing, what to do about masks. For you seniors who are getting to graduate, maybe you're thinking about, I don't have a job. What am I going to do after I graduate, especially in a world that looks like this? And my guess is there are some things that you're worried about that you wouldn't want to readily tell me about if I asked you. Maybe you're dealing with sexual sin. Maybe addiction. Shame over past sexual abuse, depression. Maybe you've got a family that's falling apart. 
deep sorrow from the loss of a loved one. Okay, so we've established that you have some worries. Good. Now, what does Jesus tell you to do? First of all, he says not to worry. Don't be anxious. But what does he tell you to do instead of worrying, instead of being anxious? Well, he doesn't say go on a long spiritual journey. Prove yourself to me. Once you've suffered and sacrificed enough, then I'll give you a sign of my love for you. I'll give you a sign of my provision. Instead, what Jesus says is, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. The evidence of God's faithful provision is right outside your window. You don't have to go on a long spiritual journey to find out that God cares for you. You just have to have eyes to see. But make sure that when you're looking for those evidences of God's provision, that you're looking out. It requires an outward gaze, not an inward gaze. And don't fool yourself. You know, things like Instagram and Snapchat, those tend to be more of an inward gaze than an outward gaze. Right? Your phone has a reflective screen. It's, it's not a window, it's a mirror. You tend only to see yourself when you're looking at it. Instead, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. field. So, what are the birds in your life? You can interpret birds metaphorically. It doesn't have to be a real bird. Maybe it's a field of flowers. Maybe it's an experience with some other animal. Maybe it's a sunrise on the overlook, obviously not this morning. Maybe it's a particular circumstance, or better yet, maybe it's a friend speaking a word of encouragement or even a word of rebuke to you. Birds can come in the form of rebukes. Just ask Peter, who experienced that cock crowing for the third time. Whatever the case may be, are you paying attention to the birds in your life. Before we get carried away with the birds, let me give you uh, uh, two important things to note about such birds. Number one, a very important thing, they are often accompanied by and always in step with God's word. The second point is they are not a panacea, they're not a magic bullet for the rest of your life. So the first point, such birds are often accompanied by and always in step with God's word. Let's go back to Noah. In Noah's case, God had spoken with Noah prior to the flood. And God implied that the floodwaters would recede and that life would be reestablished on earth for the animals and the people on the ark. Noah sent out the dove in expectation of God being good to his word. What about Elijah? Well, Elijah was told directly by God, there's, a, there's gonna be a drought, go east of the Jordan, go to this particular brook, and there the ravens 
will feed you. So Elijah had to act in obedience and go to that particular place before the ravens provided. At Jesus' baptism, God's voice came from heaven, proclaiming, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In my case, in that experience with the robins, I had been reading and meditating on God's word prior to seeing the robins. It was my engagement with scripture that prepared me for that message from the robins. It's not wrong to desire guidance from God, even to yearn for a sign, but let your search for guidance begin with God's word. Read it, ingest it, meditate on it. Signs can be easily misinterpreted, but not if you're grounded in God's word and ensure that your sign, your bird, is in step with God's word. Second, such birds are not a panacea for the rest of your life. What I mean is you can't expect one such sign to sustain you for the rest of your life. One bird does not a lifetime make. You know, there are people who say, you know, if the Lord would just provide this one thing for me, if he would do just this one thing, I would be set for the rest of my life. I would never ask him for anything else. But that's not the way life works. A sign can't sustain you. Only God satisfies. And he does that day by day. For Noah, the floodwaters receded. And life continued on earth for Noah and his family. But it was still life in a fallen world. Sin continued to rear its ugly head even after the flood. The human race continued to need God's mercy, his love, and even his judgment. The olive leaf in that dove's beak wasn't a symbol that peace on earth had come in full. In Elijah's case, the brook east of the Jordan, in that particular place, it dried up. And Elijah had to move on. He couldn't stay there for the rest of his life being fed by ravens. He had to move on. God continued to speak to Elijah, and God continued to provide for Elijah, but in different ways. As a matter of fact, his next benefactor would be a widow who thought she was going home to prepare the last meal for her and her son before they died. Now, in the case of Jesus, I won't say that Jesus doesn't provide full satisfaction. But remember, at Jesus' baptism, he still was looking forward to the cross. He still had to drink the cup of God's wrath. And the satisfaction that Jesus provided on that day, on the cross, is applied to us day by day. The voice that spoke from heaven at Jesus' baptism, it spoke again at his transfiguration. It gave the same testimony, but it added a command. He added a command to the end. This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as the sheep of a good shepherd, we must listen to his voice every day. His sheep follow him, for they know his voice. What about my birds? 
How far did the testimony of the Robins get me? Well, it provided the encouragement and the clarity that I needed at the time to make some important decisions, right? My family moved, I quit my job, and I enrolled in seminary. God showed me his faithfulness by providing that job, that, that research job with the leukemia uh, research team. And in that work, I even was involved in some important studies that were published in prominent scientific journals. So God was showing his faithfulness to me through that testimony of the Robins. But not everything worked out as I planned. The Center for Science and Theology, it never gained momentum, and it was defunct just four years later. I had this vision that when I went to seminary, I would immediately get connected with a vibrant community of like-minded scientists, but that didn't really happen. It's taken much longer for that to develop and it still hasn't met my overzealous expectations. I'm not even currently working in the scientific field. So not everything has worked out. Abraham Kuyper, the guy up there in the blue coat in the, in the uh, stained glass window, he said constructing, he spoke of constructing an entire Christian approach to science. But what is my role in that construction? The, the birds, the robins, didn't answer that question for me on that cold January day in Ohio. But that's okay. Those robins addressed issues that were of immediate concern to me 16 years ago. They were for such a time as that. Thinking about those birds today, it can still bring a smile to my face and I have a, a general sense of God's provision, of, of his encouragement, but I really had to move on from those robins. I had to learn other lessons and have other experiences. God's answer isn't always for me to leave a stable financial position to go chase a dream. Sometimes his message to me is stay right here, be patient. And honestly, sometimes that message is more difficult than the message I received from the Robins that day. But abiding in God's word has been the key. That's where I find assurance that God provides and that he will guide me. I state with confidence what the psalmist says. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. And there are days when the Lord provides glimpses of new and different birds. I'm not going to go into the details of those, but what's important is that I continue to recognize my dependence on and need for God. When anxieties stir my heart and trouble my mind, I look to the many evidences of God's grace, of his love, of his mercy, of his provision in my life. And I continue to seek his face. And I tell you the same thing. Seek his face. Do not worry. A final word. Don't be fooled by the two qualifications that I've made about the birds in our lives. That they are often accompanied by and always in step with God's word. And that they are not a panacea for the rest of life. I think sometimes... We qualify Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount and even this passage to such an extent 
that they come to mean only that God will provide the bare minimum we require for life. That what Jesus is promising is subsistence living. But that is hardly an antidote against anxiety. We turn Jesus' words into something like, don't worry, live for God and you'll scrape by. But that is not the point Jesus is making. I'm not here to proclaim to you the prosperity gospel. That is anathema to me. But the picture that Jesus presents here is one of extravagant love lavished on us by our heavenly Father. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You are much more valuable than birds and flowers. And look how God provides for those things. Expect much more of God for your own provision. Maybe you'll just scrape by for a time, but the final word is lavish, rich, abundant provision. Just a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Don't be anxious about your life. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So what are the birds in your life? I'll be over in the Great Hall for lunch after chapel. Feel free to come and tell me about your birds. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your word that testifies to your goodness, your mercy, your provision. Lord, I pray that we would seek your face. And that as we seek your face, you would show us the evidences of your love, of your provision, of your mercy and grace in our daily experiences. In Christ's name we pray, amen.